Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast for the fifth Sunday of the Easter season in year A. We are continuing with our series called Simply He Lives, looking at our Savior and his victory over death, the life that he lives now, and the life that we live in him. Uh, my name is John Mitchell, your moderator once again, and with me for this series are Pastor Brett Krause from Zion in Denver and Pastor Tyler Peel from Prince of Peace in Salt Lake City. So we are here once again, brothers, good to be with you to talk uh, preaching during the Easter season. And today, um, well-known words, at, at least the first part, quite well-known, um, I think, of our text for the day. Uh, but again, some uh, powerful words of Jesus that we'll have the opportunity to share with our people and many other preachers, God willing, will as well. So um, let's get started by just kind of looking at the, the theme of the week. Uh, Brett Krause, could you tell us a little bit about that, what uh, the sub-theme is under the He Lives theme for this Sunday? Sure. Thanks, John. So the fifth Sunday of the Easter season, we're focusing on the theme, He Lives to Be the Only Way to Heaven. So this week, we get to talk with our people uh, really about the only ultimate goal that matters in life, and that is achieving life with God forever in heaven. And all three of the readings this week, and really even the reading we're focusing on, Jesus himself makes the claim that that's an exclusive path, that he's the only way to life with God forever in heaven. So we really see that word, that exclusivity, idea come across in the readings this week. Jesus is the only way to life with God in heaven. And as the other readings will bring out, I'm sure Tyler will talk about this, that is the stone that so many people in our world stumble upon. And yet it's the stone that Christ build, builds his church on. It becomes the cornerstone that he is the only way to heaven. So a thought of exclusivity this week, but maybe building off of that, we really don't want to just think of the exclusive nature of Christ this week. Two other words come to mind when we think about the readings this week, and that's inclusivity and, and maybe even adding in sufficiency. So Jesus is the only way to heaven, but because it's Jesus and because he died for everybody and because that message is available to everybody and because we're called to take it to the ends of the earth, it's really an all-inclusive message as well. Uh, the exclusive nature of Christianity is an all-inclusive uh, message. So we get to play with that juxtaposition, that beautiful uh, dichotomy, I think, this week. And then that third word, sufficiency, um, the only way to heaven that includes everybody, it's enough. We don't need anything else. Uh, that comes across in the readings this week. And all three of those things really play together, exclusivity, inclusivity, sufficiency, uh, why does the work of Christ have to be so exclusive? Because no other way to God works. They're all insufficient. They're all deficient. They don't work. Uh, but Jesus, the person and the work of Christ, does. It's an all-inclusive, sufficient way to life with God forever in heaven. Yeah, thanks for that summary of just bringing things together a little bit along those same lines. Tyler, could we go to you next uh, just for a, a little more on the first and second readings today. Sure. We'll be uh, once again in Acts and first Peter chapter two, the 
by the fifth Sunday of Easter, we're starting to head toward Pentecost in some of these reason, readings, um, especially I think our gospel will start off with a note of this departure of Jesus is a good thing for the church, not a thing to be troubled over. And these lessons um, are describing, you know, who the church is, what she is, and why it's um, so important that we have Christ uh, risen from the dead and alive with us still. Because as Brett said, he's the, the way in case someone was looking and searching for it, Jesus wants to be known and make his father known as the one and only son who is the one and only way. And that's the main image that really ties these three lessons together. There's a, it's, it's spoken about with this picture of stones in both this Acts lesson and First Peter 2 uh, that the, the lectionary gives us this week. So back in Acts 4, I think, you know, I had been talking about this the last couple of weeks. It's uh, like like the church is just going out, exploding to witness. I think about it like this champagne bottle that was shaken up uh, and now the cork is off and the, the witnesses of the resurrection are telling the story and, um, and doing wonderful, miraculous kind of things. So that's Acts chapter four. Peter and John have healed this guy who wasn't able to walk. And it seems like everyone uh, likes it and, you know, is understanding the point. These miracles confirm this message uh, as they did for Christ, except for um, some Jewish leaders still. So they have this big question for Peter and John um, who have been arrested. By what power are you doing this? Uh, That's right before our reading in verse seven. And then their answer is, well, we've got this name. We've got this one name. um, And Peter will allude to Psalm uh, 118, which is the Psalm of the day for this fifth Sunday of Easter. And uh, it speaks about Jesus as the stone, the rock. Um, the, The prayer of the day for Easter five talks about the many change that in the, among the many changes of the world, we would have something to, to fasten our hearts to. Um, and a stone is certainly that sort of thing. Um, when, when things are changing as they had for the disciples, as they always are for us, you have this stone. Um, they have this name, which is the name uh, of Jesus just after our lesson, it will talk about how the people recognized they had been with Jesus, which is uh, just struck me as something for us preachers to think about, uh, that people would see a joy in us um, because we've been with Jesus, thinking about these um, magnificent truths and who he is and what he wants to say to them. Um yeah, I suppose it's like being with John Mitchell on a podcast. People can recognize afterwards that you've been listening through this. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so there's the connection to our gospel lesson today. They have the one name, the one way, uh, the one and only way. Um, but absolutely, as Brett was saying, the way, the way that is big enough for everyone. So Acts chapter four is that uh, Peter boldly confessing Christ as the stone. And and then the closing verse, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven by to given to mankind by which we must be saved. This is the one and the only. The second reading is from first Peter chapter two. Um, we remember there's some sort of suffering going on among these people that Peter is writing to. And you wonder if they're, he's worried they're, they're, losing their grip on 
Christ and grace. And so he writes to them in this struggle and has powerful words of comfort here, just announcing to them the truth, um, which connects us to the gospel lesson where Jesus says he is that truth. Um, yeah, some powerful pictures. I, they're, um, the first one is kind of a surprise because it's an oxymoron, I guess. A living stone is what Jesus is called here. Um, but of course, Jesus is a unique character always. And both things are true. He is alive. We're living in the Easter glory of it. Uh, and he is rock solid. And um, I think as a preacher, you think about the rock being rolled away. Um, or about the stones of the temple that were maybe still standing, but Jesus had said not one will be left on another. There's a big move happening um, in him, of course, that those stones of the temple are no longer the place to uh, of the presence of God, but Jesus, who, uh, the temple that was destroyed but rebuilt in three days. Um, several o Old Testament references from Peter here. Um, Isaiah and some psalmody to talk about the stones. But what he wants to say to us is that, I mean, he's calling these people names in a really good way. Again, you are now living stones. What Jesus is, you are also. He is the living stone and you are now living stones in him. And now you are the ones who are built together in him to be the temple of the Holy Spirit um, where, where God is present. Um. God's got a building project going on, I guess you could say about this, and it is building us together to be this spiritual house that um, lives in the presence of God and can offer spiritual sacrifices to him. Uh, there's, there's the case of the good news can be the bad news here, as Brett was alluding to before, the capstone um, can cause people to trip if it's not the thing that holds them together. Um, and this, this lesson is as clear as any on the fact that there's no middle ground. Either um, Christ is your rock or he is the rock that you stumble over. But he wants to say to them, um, you are the ones who are built on Christ. You are the chosen people. So again, what Jesus is called, uh, the chosen by God, that's also you because you're in him, the royal priesthood. Uh, Jesus, you think about the book of Hebrews, is called the priest all the way through. This is what you are now, a priesthood, um, and, and a royal one at that, kingly. You are a holy nation. Jesus is, the, is Israel reduced to one, but that's also who we are now, the spiritual Israel in him. We are God's people. So all of this... Um, he kind of beautifully summarizes at the end of the lesson, once you weren't a people of God, but now you belong. Now you are God's people. Uh, you were not living with mercy, but now you um, are surrounded by the mercy of God. Now it's all mercy. And so um, people who, who have been called by God and chosen by him, there is purpose now for your life to, um, you've been called out of the darkness into the marvelous light to proclaim um, to offer yourselves back as living sacrifices. Those are the two lessons leading up to our gospel lesson for this Sunday. Great. Thank you for the summary, Tyler. Uh, th this is not our text, so I don't want to dwell on it too long, but I just can't help wondering as Peter is, you know, inspired by the spirit writing those 
the words in First Peter chapter 2, does his mind go back to that incident in Acts chapter 4, where he's quoting the same cornerstone passages as he's, as he's writing about? And, and when he's doing that, is he remembering how Jesus cited those same passages? Is it in the, the, with the parable of the wicked tenants or right after that, the cornerstone? So yeah, just kind of fun to think about. Um, but yeah, still the message is the same. There is one person on whom you can build um, and either you build on him or you trip over him. Um, and that's, that's how things shake out for really every person. Um, well, let's go to our sermon text then. Uh, Act, or excuse me, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. Uh, let's go back to you, Brett, if you would just get us started thinking about this text. Uh, what are some points that stand out to you? Yeah, they, thanks. The first thing, maybe just to highlight again, is the context. So we're on Monday, Thursday evening. Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room. And you read verse one, and again, it's a popular verse that we hear often quoted. Jesus says to his loved disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. And maybe the first thing you think is, well, Jesus, why was there a need to say something like that? And when you really dig back into the context, especially of chapter 13, uh, Jesus himself was saying a lot of stuff that was filling the disciples' hearts with trouble. So you go back and you read those, and John looks back at him later, and he says, this is the night that Jesus is showing us the full extent of his love. And that's such a beautiful thing. But as he's thinking about the events that are going to happen that night and how they would unfold, he makes so many statements that would have filled his disciples' hearts with trouble. Um, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. Now, that's a troubling thought for the disciples. Which one of us is that going to be? Um, he told them, my, my children, I'm only going to be with you a little bit longer. And where I'm going, you can't come. And that's a troubling thought. And then when Peter musters up the courage to say, well, where are you going? Why can't we follow you now? Jesus doesn't even really answer the question. He just tell, says, Peter, I tell you the truth you're going to disown me three times before the rooster crows. So a lot of things that Jesus himself was saying that was filling their hearts with trouble. And then you, you couple that with the fact that a bunch of the Jewish leaders lately have been talking about killing Jesus. And Jesus himself had been talking an awful lot lately about dying. Um, if I were the disciples, my heart would have been filled with a lot of trouble at this point too. Um, so Jesus makes that statement, do not let your hearts be troubled. I think if I were one of the disciples, I would say, okay, Jesus, if, if you're going to make a statement like that, how about giving us some reasons why we don't have to have hearts filled with trouble? And the text before us today then is really Jesus spending time with these disciples that he loves so much doing just that, filling their hearts with reasons why their hearts no longer have to be troubled. And the first thing he does is really he takes them to the end of the story. He turns to the last page of the book. Um, I think of a, a little child reading a suspenseful book filled with trouble, filled with drama, and they kind of peek at the end just to see how everything turns out. And, and they realize it's a happy ending so they can go back and flip to where they were and, and read the rest of the book in peace. And Jesus does that very same thing for his disciples here. He says, let me tell you how this is going to end. Uh, it's going to end with you and me together again in my father's house, in the paradise of heaven. I'm soon going to depart 
but I'm going to come back. And when I do, I'm going to take you to be with me so that you too can be where I am. In my father's house are, are many rooms. So just this comforting thought uh, of Jesus telling them exactly, confidently on this night before he dies, uh, exactly how everything is going to end. And then really the rest of the text, I guess, is Jesus just patiently answering follow-up questions. Um, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way, uh, Thomas asks. And then we get Jesus' exclusive yet all-inclusive answer, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about this statement later too, but then Philip says, Jesus, just show us the Father, that'll be enough for us. Um, just these continuing questions that are filled with, with doubt and fear, and yet Jesus just answers them in such a, a calming, confident way. Um, you know me, and if you know me, you know the Father. So that, that sufficiency uh, thing there. So again, the whole text is Jesus just filling his disciples with reasons why their hearts no longer need to be troubled. Yeah, thank you, Brett. That I think that is helpful as a way to kind of present a unified message because um, there, there's so much to talk about and uh, so many parts you could unpack in this text. Um, preachers might be struggling with, well, how do I present a sermon that's you know more than just a, a Bible class on all the different parts of the text and all the teachings that are here? Um, yeah, I think that's very helpful. Just go back to the initial words in the chapter. Do not let your hearts be troubled. How can you say something like that when there's so much troubling? Well, here are reasons, um, reasons why uh, we as disciples, too, don't need to be troubled. Um, Tyler, you want to pick up on anything uh, Brett said or add some things that uh, you're noticing in the text? Yeah, um, in a broader way, something Brett was talking about, I, li I like the illustration of a figuring out the end of the story. If you know the end, uh, you can enjoy the middle. Well, um, as it goes, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 14 next week. Um, this is kind of a glimpse at the end, and we'll sort of back up to Jesus talking about the now. Um, so it really kind of plays out the illustration well, because of course he's going to be with us from here to there. Um, I also thought uh, uh, in preaching the first six verses, which are often a funeral text, I suppose, for Lutheran funeral, um, or the place that I would probably spend time as preacher. Um, and even in that, there's so much there. But um, one of the things that really stands out to me uh, is this question of Thomas. Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Well, there's something to play on in, in the word know there, of course, because Jesus had just said to him, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Um, certainly some law and gospel to talk about there, but I, especially, it's just a real and alive question still. What is the way? Um, people are always looking for at least a way, maybe not the way. But what's so shocking about it is that, it, you know, people just have ideas of God, right? We all do, of, of trying to picture God. What is the way to this God and what will he be like? And Jesus' answer is another great I am statement, um, but it's him. Uh, I am the way, right? Uh, it, the answer is not a concept. It's a person and it's knowing a person. It's a relationship kind of thing instead of um, some sort of 
theological answer. He's the the answer, the truth, um, the way, uh, fl- the, the claim that flies in the face of every other one, um, because he can, because he's been there through the grave and back and can speak to us about those things that are um, beyond what we can know from experience. And uh, right along with that, I mean, I, I think they aren't just separate ideas Jesus is trying to lay out, but connected. He's the way and the way is the truth and the truth is the life kind of thing. Um, of course, you know, post postmodern world, we're still wrestling as the world has always wrestled with what truth is. And um, this is a, a big opportunity to talk about capital T truth and the joy of that, of knowing you know, sometimes it's tough for us Christians uh, when we're confronted with so many other ideas and um, the the world that wants to be so inclusive that it means nothing can, you know, no one can say you have only one way. Uh, the joy of knowing that there aren't just endless ideas and ways, but actually one who is the way and you're on the way you have a future and you have something to trust so that your heart doesn't have to be troubled um, is the you know, gospel story in Jesus words. Right. It, it does. We're, we're not left uh, searching constantly without any resolution. Um, uh, we know the way uh, it, it is Jesus. We know the truth, right? Um, yeah. And what comfort that is yet. Yeah, yes. Exclusive because there is one way, one truth, one life, but uh but when you know it, you know it, um, and you don't have to keep on scratching your head forever uh, and, and, and groping about for answers. Um, great. A preaching law gospel from this text, uh, how do you suggest go, going about that? Um, there are probably a number of different avenues, but Brett, some ideas? Yeah, I think Tyler got us going on a great train of thought with focusing first on Thomas question in verse five. So he's responding to Jesus talking about where he's going and you know, the way, and and he sort of asked this panicky question, Lord, we don't know the way how we, you know, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And I suppose it does give you an opportunity to emphasize uh, just that what Tyler was speaking about, that Jesus is the way. And maybe there's a, a thought among Christians, I suppose it depends on who you're preaching to. If you're preaching to a bunch of lifelong Lutherans, they can look at that part of the text and say, yeah, good. I already knew that. Uh, The goal is to get to heaven. Jesus is the way to get there. I know him. Uh, So check. This is really a text for all those unbelievers out there in the world who think there's a bunch of different paths to heaven. um, And maybe we should, you know, save this text for them. And Maybe that in itself, there's a pharisaical attitude to kind of weed out of people and say we struggle with this very same thing. But but even the rest of the text, I think, allows us to, to dig deeper into even Christian hearts. Finally, Jesus was saying these words to believers who were doubting these things. Um, and maybe that focuses us on a malady that comes out of Philip's question in verse 8. So Jesus had just said... I am the way and the truth and the life. If you know me, then you know the Father. So focus on me. And in verse 8, it's like Philip looks right by Jesus. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's, you're like, you're in the way, Jesus. I need to look around you. Show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And there's an implied statement, because Jesus, you're not enough for us. Um, and, and maybe that's where you can really dig into the hearts of, of sinner saints. Jesus is the way when it comes to the most important thing, the only thing that matters, life with God forever in heaven. And we as, as sinners on this earth tend to say, yeah, but my focus needs to be on other things. We so often focus on things that aren't important at all. So here we look past Jesus for the most important thing, and we're trying to grasp all these things that aren't so important. Mm. And the devil leads us to say, if you want those things that we think are so important but really aren't, you need to look past Jesus for something more. Um, you know, you can take Philip's words and say, Lord, take away the pain that I'm experiencing. That'll be enough for us. Um, fix this relationship. That'll be enough for us. Make sure our country goes in, in this specific direction. That'll be enough for us. Uh, just a little bit more money, a little bit more free time, a little bit more whatever. That'll be enough for us. All these truly unimportant things that we're, we're trying to cling to and grasp in our lives And maybe Jesus isn't quite enough to attain those things. So what more do I need to search after? Uh, What more do I need in my life to give me true peace, purpose, contentment, happiness? Um, Just like Philip, Jesus is standing there saying, I am the way for the only thing that matters. And we look right past him and, and want more. And, and I guess just thinking about how the gospel heals that, that malady, you know, what does Jesus do? He, he could get so frustrated with such a question from Thomas, such a question from Philip, but he simply says, I just need to gently bring their focus back to me. Um, you want to see the father, Philip, just look at me. You know me here, right here. Bring your attention back here. And he just patiently and gently draws their eyes uh, back to him. And as preachers, we get to do that with our hearers, I think, as we preach this text, too. Right. Just pointing back to Jesus. Uh, yeah, I, he, that's what he's doing in the text, isn't he? Just redirecting his disciples' eyes to him uh, again and again. Uh, Tyler, adding to that law gospel in this text or the direction you might, uh, might go with it? Yeah, um, kind of playing off of that verse, that question from Philip that Brett was talking about. I I thought as I was reading it, uh, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, that will be enough for us. Because he could see Jesus, probably we would say, Lord, let me see Jesus, that will be enough for, you know. (laughs) Uh, But it won't be, right? Uh, We're going to need someone else to hold on to us. Um, I think also you you talked about Jesus being part of the way as, as though he has, I mean, there's a couple different directions that can go. One is maybe that he has taken care of the eternal salvation, which is way down the road. And we'll worry about that when we get there, when it's time for death. And right now, um, what I've got to be the one who makes my way through this world, uh, which yeah, misses the the whole beauty of him being everything. So I think about the people that will be sitting there Sunday and how many of them have 
troubled thoughts like those disciples, how many of them might be at some sort of crossroad or uh, looking for what's, you know, what's the way forward in something. Um, and Jesus wants to, yeah, to take their eyes and put them first on him. And then the way um, can go a lot of different ways, but it will be a safe way. Um, he's the, yeah, has, has the path laid out and will be the rock as everything else is changing around. So, uh, yeah, I guess that to see Jesus as less than everything is part of a malady. Maybe there's also something um, I was talking a little bit before about the, the exclusive nature of him being the truth. Uh, it isn't hard for us to go with the stream, you know, um, and not take a stand uh, as we had heard in our, you know, our first lesson, for example, when those guys were put in prison and they boldly confessed Christ, uh, you, you know, the, the important thing is that we all are, you know, with the Lord or listening to God or something like that, right? Um, so we can either uh, just kind of get sunk in that and not stand up, or we can be much less than winsome in our witness and arrogant and, um, you know, circle the wagons, it's us versus them kind of thing when it comes to the truth, um, neither of which seem, you know, our Jesus idea for his church that should be reaching out and working toward unity in the truth. So anyway, um, all of that answered in the way that you suggested, um, John, which is eyes on Jesus. And we know um, how we see him because he's made himself known to us in his word. And he has these promises for us that will keep us connected to him. Yeah, by way of uh, appropriation, application, is that kind of uh, what you what you guys are thinking, um, just uh, a, a further encouragement to see, the, Brett, you used the word sufficiency before, the, to see uh, the sufficiency we have in Jesus, the, the way, the truth, the life, um, something like that as appropriation thoughts, Brett? Yeah, and I like the way that Tyler mentioned that before, feeding, you know, playing off of that sufficiency thought. And yeah, I really like that. And not just sufficient for later, not just sufficient for being with the Father forever in heaven, not just sufficient for later glory, that last page of the book, but sufficient for now. Everything that we need now, um, we have in the person and the work of Christ. I really like that thought. Right. Yeah. All sufficient for now. I mean, uh, and that that's a good reminder. Um because as, as Tyler said, funeral text verses one through six, and I, I've read this at the, you know, the deathbed of Christians before, I'm sure you guys have too, um, because it so powerfully points to uh, the future, which for some believers might be close at hand, um, you know, a, a place prepared for them. Um, yeah, of course, those, those are awesome thoughts. Uh, but right, Jesus being uh, the way, the truth, the life means something for us right now, too. And uh, many Christians will love to grab onto that thought. Their hearts will be uplifted by that. Tyler? Yeah, um, I think I want them to hear Jesus saying today, you're on the right path uh, with everything. You know, so many things in life, we don't know exactly where to go next or what's going to happen next. But you just stop and rejoice that 
you know, I think you said this earlier, what so many are searching for, um, because he is the way and the truth and the life and you are in him. And so um, it's safe. I mean, um, and, and enjoy the walk, I suppose, in, in some ways, as we're headed toward the end of the book. In other words, um, don't let your hearts be troubled. You have something to trust in along the way. Great. Um, theme ideas or suggestions for preachers uh, to uh, get them thinking. Um, Brett? You could just do what Tyler said and just use those first words. Do not let your hearts be troubled as the theme. And then throughout the rest of the text, you're coming back to all those mm -hmm. thoughts that we've been discussing about why. Okay, Jesus, you made that statement. Why? And we have all these beautiful, solid reasons, you know, the living stone reasons why we don't have to let our hearts be troubled. I suppose there's Maybe if you want to key in on those three terms we've been playing around with, the exclusivity, the inclusivity, and the sufficiency, um, perhaps there's a way to thematically walk through the text that way. You know, there are phrases to pick up on there. The, the definite articles I'm the way, the truth, the life, mm -hmm. the only way, the exclusivity in my father's house are many rooms. Uh, part of the inclusivity, the fact that it's Jesus, the person, we all have access to him, the inclusivity. And then as he is discussing things with Philip, uh, to focus on the sufficiency, I am enough now and later. Um, so if you can fit those three parts into 20 minutes, uh, maybe that would be a great way to, to go. And it, this it might be a clunky theme, but if it's something like Jesus is the only way for all and he is enough. A theme like that might hit on all three of those terms. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Uh, Tyler, any ideas? Yeah, maybe this is a bad idea, but playing <laughs> on that uh, show me from Philip and Jesus saying the way, I'm thinking, I, I was going to look up to make sure, I'm pretty sure it's Sticks that has this show me the way. Um, so that that's why it might be a very bad idea. Um, There's your hymn of the day. Uh, yes, right. exactly, which four people will recognize. Um but I, I guess the, the idea behind that, show me the way, is it's not show me the way. It's I am the way, right? Um, it, this is not a, a path, a thing that you have to follow, and now you do this. Um, but it's Jesus is this thing. Again, it's him, not a concept. I played around a little bit with the idea of when someone shows you how to do something, it's much different than someone doing it for you, of course. Um, but I, I ran into a, a man this morning who was asking me how the drywall project was going because he helped showed me how to do some drywalling. So I tried it out at, at my house. Um, and I thought to myself, if I worked for him and, I, and he had shown me the way, I wouldn't want to tell him how it went. Uh, I was glad to tell him, oh, you, you're so much better at this because it's at my own house. And um, but but so the point of that is to say, if someone shows you how to do something and you, you, you know, you aren't the best at it. You don't want to be around that person or talk to them about it, but that's not at all what, and, and sadly, a lot of people think that's who Jesus is, right? But it's not. Um, he is the one who has come to do it all and lets us just enjoy seeing it and living it. Um, he this, this passage took me back to the beginning of John's gospel where through Moses, we got the law but now in Christ, grace and truth um, have been made known as he's made himself and his father known to us. So 
show, I guess if I was going to do show me the way it would be, um, you know, see Jesus. He's everything. Great. Further suggestions or thoughts? There we guys. Okay. I think we've covered uh, a lot. Um, not everything, of course, uh, in these packed 11 verses, but um, some good ideas, I think, for preachers. So God bless you, preachers, as you continue wrestling with this text and uh, proclaim it to all those the Lord brings into your presence this Sunday.